Hey, it's Elle. And Em. And you're listening to the Baby Project Podcast. In this podcast, we will discuss our journeys, as well as other warriors going through the ups and downs of infertility. Um, there's ups? <laughs> yes, there's ups. Okay. As a reminder, be kind to yourself and skip as needed. We know some topics may be triggering. Let's get talking. Born and raised... On Vancouver Island, we have Canadian and fertility coach Laura joining us today. Laura enjoys reading, going for walks, yoga, and even enjoys DIY projects. Welcome, Laura, to our podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. So speaking of DIYs, did you pick up any new hobbies during the pandemic? Like I see some DIYs on your on your page. So I'm not sure if you're like a do-yourself do type of person. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely like doing like art projects. Um, I consider myself a bit of an, an artist. Love um, it. And also Instagram. I did, you know, I, I, I got into it a lot more in the last year. Like I didn't, I was such a newbie when it came to Instagram maybe two years ago. So yeah, it's been kind of fun. That, it's almost like a hobby in a way. It is. It is. It's it time is. consuming. That's for sure. It can be. It can be. It's <laughs> suck the time out when you're like oops what time is it now yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know sometimes we I look and it's like two hours yeah. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> um what about your partner how did you two meet how long have you been together your love story your love story yeah so I met my now husband Emmanuel we actually met online so I had moved to Toronto um, for a number of reasons. One being, I'm, I want to find my partner. I just had this pull to go there. Um, and I also wanted to be closer to my, my grandma who was living in London, Ontario when my grandpa just passed away. And she was she was so stubborn. She's like, I'm, I'm staying in this house by myself. And so we're like, okay, let's have a, some more family close by. Um, yeah, and I met Emmanuel online and... Um, he was finishing his PhD. He's a biomedical engineer doing stem cell research. So he was in this lab and I was working just down the street in the breast cancer and cervical screening programs through Health Ontario. So that was the start of our love story. Very sciencey and (laughs) I don't know, serendipitous. Um, And then we got engaged and then married back on Vancouver Island, but we were still living in Toronto at the time. So that was lovely. And then a job opportunity came up um, for him back in Vancouver. And so we thought, okay, we were ready to start building our family. And I have my family here. And we thought, great, this is perfect timing. So we came out here, although <laughs> really with the, there's no IVF funding um, in, in BC. <laughs> so in a way it was too bad. <laughs> we didn't have to, or at the time we didn't work to do it back then, but we didn't know then. Um, yeah, so that's, that's our, that's the start of our love story or continues on, but that's, uh, that's the very beginning. Love a, I love a good love story. And it seems like the more and more women that we are talking to, yeah. it is so common, like to meet your partner online. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's about one in four couples. They, they say, I don't know if that's changed. I remember looking at, at the time when we had met, but it was yeah. one, one in four or one in five or something like that. It was like, wow. I mean, it probably even goes up in the pandemic. That's my guess, right? Like, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel very, very lucky. 
Very lucky. Are we ready to jump into the meat and potatoes? <laughs> into your into your your story, into the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys have um, an, a family plan? Like, what did it look like, and how different did it end up being? <laughs> yeah, right. It's what infertility does. It has a plan, and then someone puts a wrench in the plan, and then you add a few more wrenches, and then you stir it up. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So we weren't sure, like, we definitely wanted kids like when we met yeah, online through the app. That was deal, deal breaker for me, deal breaker for him. We, we definitely wanted to have kids. Um, he at the time thought maybe adoption. Um, I thought, you know, let's, let's try it on, try it ourselves. Um, but I was, you know, it, it didn't matter that much to me. Um, but when we did start trying it, you know, it seemed right for us to, to do it that way. Um, and I have PCOS. I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but I did have, um, less frequent periods, but just kind of on the like, borderline, you know, not enough where it was like, okay, they're not, never happening and not so much where it's just, you know, one or two or a year, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, we started trying and trying <laughs> and it didn't happen and it wasn't happening. But meanwhile, life is happening. I'm, you know, in a new job as well. Manuel's new to, to Vancouver, so we're kind of adjusting and thinking, okay, there's probably a certain amount of stress involved maybe with that, with that transition, which now I know, you know, that's, when people tell you to relax, to, you know, to get pregnant, it makes you laugh. You're like, okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> but in the, the worst. T- at the time you think like, maybe this is it. Maybe I'm doing this to myself. Like maybe this is, yeah, this is our fault, quote unquote, which I know now definitely was not our fault at all. Um, and so we eventually decided to get, to get tested, um, Emmanuel first, and then bang, there we go. We have an issue. So there was a uh, male factor infertility and he was, um, he was referred to a urologist or what we thought was a urologist. And it was taking time, you know? Um, and I think that's one of the, one of the challenges with uh, our public system is when we have to go to the private system, sometimes that integration can be a little bumpy. Um, and it was for us at first, he was actually referred to a, a pediatric urologist by accident. <laughs> so it wasn't happening at all. We didn't know why, you know, you talk to the doctor's assistant. And yeah, anyway, I was on the phone a lot and trying to figure out what was, what was going on. Um, but it actually ended up being, um, a blessing in disguise. Cause then we were referred directly to a, a fertility clinic urologist and there, you know, you, we had another sperm test and then there they said, okay, yeah, it's male factor infertility. And, um, you know, your, your count is, is so low that IVF or, or donor sperm is going to be the option for you to build your family this way. And, you know, that was such a blow. I mean, I'll never, I'll never forget, you know, the first test too, was a huge blow. And just like, you never think like, this is going to be me. You know, I, I just couldn't imagine that. Like, I didn't think of it that way. It was very calculated every step. Like, this is how things are going to go. And my sister, when my sisters already had um, a kid at the time, and I knew it was really easy for them. She was very open about that. And so I thought, okay, that's what ha- that's going that's what's going to happen for us, but of course it doesn't always work that way. Um, and yeah, it was it was a it was a huge shock. And I found as 
um, as emotionally well as I was, I was surprised at how much it shook me. You know, I've been through things in the past that I thought, okay, I can, I can handle this. This is, this is, this is nothing, but I was surprised at how much this, this shocked me. Um, yeah, shook, shook my world really. Um, and then it came to making the decision about what to do. Having that initial diagnosis of male factor infertility, right? How did it make, I know you were saying that you're feeling a lot of like emotions and stuff and it kind of shook you, but like seeing him process those results and go through that, um, like, how did that make you feel? Did you kind of feel like I, I have like a, I wish it was me kind of moment? Mm. Well, I guess because um, we didn't know about my PCOS at the time. So we still didn't know if it, there was still a factor, you know, there's still um, a factor on my side. But from the very beginning, we approached it very much as we have infertility. This is, this is ours to, to bear. I never really thought about it um, at the very beginning. I'm not going to lie. I did have moments um, like a flicker here and there where I'm like, oh, why? Like, you know, if it, if it wasn't him, if it was, you know, if, if it wasn't that, like, it'd be different or, you know, slight pangs of feelings of like, yeah, like this, I'm doing this because of, of you. So fast. It's, it's so quick where I'm like, okay, no, this is, this is ours. This is ours. This is ours to bear. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it happened. Um, but more or less from the beginning, it was, this is, this is us. We have, we have infertility and this is for us to, to, um, to endure together to it's an adventure. I mean, I know it's not something anybody wants, but I do, I do call it a bit of an adventure because, you know, you're asking about him. Well, we got stronger because of this. I mean, we definitely had our challenges, um, but we absolutely got stronger from this whole process. Like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You're, you're one of the lucky ones, right? Um, That's not everybody. Absolutely. Relationships fall apart. Um, they're very, very strained. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not saying it's like all rainbows and lollipops the whole time. Um, we had to work really hard sometimes, but, um, yeah, in the end it did, it did bring us together. Actually, it's kind of interesting. Um, after, um, you know, trigger warning was successful. Um, we were interviewed by, um, a psychology student at, uh, at the university of British Columbia here. And uh, like her topic was on relationships going through, through IVF. So it's really interesting to go through that process after and, and look at her, um, her dissertation and like kind of pick it apart and be like, oh, this is, this is, this is what tends to work for couples. And this is what doesn't, this is what seemed to work for us and why, why I think we, um, kind of got stronger through it, but. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was, really, it, was, it was a nice way to like, kind of, I don't know, bring it and tie it all together. Yeah. Sometimes you can't see either, right? Like when you're right in the middle of it, in the thick of it, you're not really stopping and wondering, you know, how is this affecting my relationship? How am I behaving in this situation? Because you're so absorbed in everything that's going on. Sometimes yeah. it's not until you kind of step back when you're a little bit either further on and it's been going on for an excessive amount of time or you know you've come to the you're wrapping up your journey then you can kind of look back and see oh shit that was that was rough <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely and you know I do credit him I do credit us with being able to <clears throat> excuse me have check-ins along the way like we are very, like we do have like meetings together it sounds kind of silly but we do we, we have check-ins just you know how are you doing um is this the right plan for us like we do we do have check-ins and I think that 
was one of the keys of our success in terms of our relationship was to have that to have that check-in to have that reflection um because yeah. it is it's, it's all consuming it's really intense um there are definitely times where we weren't as good at doing that um right no one's perfect but for the most part that 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 helped yeah I think that's great that's a great like takeaway is have those check-ins with your partner mm-hmm. and like hey where's where's your head at what's what's going on exactly and have a designated time where it's okay we're going to talk about fertility you know Sunday at seven o'clock for you know an hour and then we're going to watch a show that's it like a more you know <laughs> put a cap on it otherwise you're just gonna yeah goes goes a little nutty <laughs> yeah it can consume every conversation that you have all the time exactly yeah sure. yeah Okay, so you were told about your male factor and you guys went to the fertility clinic to talk to, it was a fertility urologist? Yes, a urologist within the fertility clinic, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they're um, basically confirmed what we already knew. Um, and we knew, I, we, well, we did find out that IVF is probably the best route if we wanted to use our own genetic makeup. Um, we definitely considered donor sperm, known donor sperm, um, for a while and we thought, okay, you know, why not? Cause it didn't matter that much to me or to, to him. Um, but it ended up being a lot faster if, you know, IVF was successful, um, to, to do IVF versus the donor, which I was surprised at. And it's a bit to do with like out of province and different legislation. That's, I think it's changed a bit now. Um, but yeah, I was surprised too. It was going to be a good, you know, year, year and a half maybe to, to be able to try and here in, in BC, we don't have a funded cycle. So it's not like there was waiting for that reason. You're just waiting for when you're ready. So it was going to be quicker that way. And I was ready. It was like, okay, let's, let's do this. We're already, you know, having many years behind. So let's get on it. So, yeah, so we, so we did. Um, and in the meantime, I, you know, was dealing with what everyone deals with, which is, you know, constant stream of pregnancy announcements from friends and family and, you know, feeling left behind and, you know, seeing my sister have a second kid easily. And then, you know, friends having newborns and dropping off food and doing all the things that you want it to be you who's getting the newborn and the baby and, and food and all of that. So I, yeah, I was surprised at how hard that part was, um, you know, the jealousy, what you know seeing what other people are having that I don't have that that I want Um, I'm surprised because I'm not a jealous person by nature but yeah I'm surprised at at those feelings um and the negativity like I yeah I went into it much more pessimistic than I thought I would have I would be I'm quite a positive person but for some reason I feel like this is well I know this is really common for you know when you have when you see the negative pregnancy test, you know, month after month after month, and you see the stats and, you know, it's, it's hard not to, it's hard not to just think more negatively, but I did, you know, I, I, and I was surprised and I, I didn't like how I was like, I didn't, you know, I, I almost didn't really recognize myself thinking that way with that kind of mindset. Um, and then again, there was almost this serendipity where I had left my career in health policy and research to explore coaching. And when I was exploring basically life coaching, it was in a completely different field. But when I was starting IVF, I had just started my coach training 
And of course, in that process, I'm getting coached as well. I'm learning all these wonderful tools and ways that I just, I, I didn't know was possible. I'd been in counseling before and there are definitely some similarities, but coaching was a whole new ball game where I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So I was able to apply everything that I was learning in my coaching to my fertility journey because so much of it is, you know, affecting every area of life. And so I feel really, really grateful that that all happened kind of around the same time, because then I was able to, you know, shift back into a more positive mindset. I was able to manage my, my relationships with my friends and family. Um, you know, it was, it, yeah, it just, I, I would say like it kind of transformed my fertility journey. Um, I definitely don't advertise, oh, you know, that's the reason why we didn't, we did end up having success. We don't know, right? We don't, we don't know, but at the very least, I just felt so much better going into it. Um, so I did, I, I we started our, our IVF. Um, it was definitely, you know, like it is for everybody, a bumpy road running into the clinic, you know, cause the last minute, you know, medication change or, you know, um, my follicles were crazy, crazy. Like, yeah, the numbers were, yeah, very, very high because I have PCOS. So we had to manage that. Um, and in the end for the first round, we had to cancel it last minute because my estrogen was ridiculously high. I think she oh. said it was good high. <laughs> my fertility doctor told me, <laughs> I was like, okay. Like the, the official medical terminology. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, okay. Well, um, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but obviously it was devastating to, to, to get that, um, to get that call. And I did end up getting OHSS, um, even though I didn't actually go ahead with the egg retrieval, I was surprised. And I, and I think it got worse because I didn't know that. So I was pushing myself a little bit and was like, why do I feel like crap? <laughs> yeah. like, oh no, you, you, you can still get OHSS without having the the egg retrieval. Okay. So, um, that wasn't fun. I really didn't enjoy OHSS at all. <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to meet a person who has enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I'll but, let you know if I ever do. <laughs> we'll meet them one day. Yeah. 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 That must've been apps. I would, I'm just like trying to imagine myself in that situation of all the hard work of all the injections and prep and, you know, you, you're just getting yourself ready and amped up for that. And then for it to be canceled. But then you still have to go through yeah. HSS. That would be. Yeah, I thought, okay, well, that's that exactly. I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't fun. I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. Cause then you also wonder, will this work the next time we do it? You know, um, yeah. hard to not go there as well. Like everyone does when you have um, a bump in the road of uh, a quote unquote failure, but it was really about learning, right? A lot of people who have gone through IVF know that the first cycle you're learning about how to react to medication. Um, it could be the second cycle you're still learning. It could be the third, fourth, fifth, right? Um, so I was just lucky that we did learn a lot in our, in our first cycle um, and that the start of the second worked a lot better, you know? Um, and we did, we went ahead, we had, uh, well, again, more bumps in the road, blood clot steers, 3 a.m. emergency visits, you know, on blood thinners and all of that. Um, but in the end, we did egg retrieval and I was successful. Um, we were able to get 23 eggs, um, 19 fertilized, and we did decide to do PGTA testing. So that brought our number down 
to, to nine, which is amazing. And I didn't know at the time, I didn't really have a context of, you know, how good that was, but you know, now yeah. hearing from basically thousands of people, it's like, okay, no, that's, that's really good. And I'm really, really lucky. Um, and I am, I know we're very, very lucky. Um, and yeah, we went on to have our, um, frozen NBR transfer. We had to delay it a bit because of, so the OHSS after the full cycle was pretty wicked. I did not enjoy that either. <laughs> that was, that was pretty Oh, awesome. so you, you overstimulated again when you're successful wow. in retrieval? Yeah. Yeah. Even with 23, I mean, through 23, it's a good number. It's, it's a yeah. number as well. Um, but yeah, we did, it was worse that time as well. So oh. yeah. I mean, it was, the, the thing was, again, it was about learning. So we learned, you know, some of the tips of what to do and I knew not to overexert myself and I knew, you know, electrolytes and water and salty foods and protein and all of that. So, you know, it's like all of this, you learn along the way. So that, that helped, that helped a lot. Um, and then we had our, our frozen embryo transfer and we were successful on the first transfer. So oh. We were so lucky. We felt, I mean, we're just so grateful um, that, I mean, I didn't think it was going to work. I was holding my breath, um, you know, had my expectations were low, but my hopes were quite high. Um, but you just never know. And yeah, we went on. It wasn't, wasn't the most pleasant pregnancy and, um, or, or birth, but we were successful. We have, um, we have a child. We have now running around three-year-old because of all of that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah so very... Wait, walk back, walk, reverse back to when they did the transfer. Like, what were you feeling during that part? I mean, you mentioned it a little bit and then like the two-week wait and all that, like those details, like <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> yeah. So Actually, you know what, after the egg retrieval, I don't know what it was. I like, they, they couldn't move me for like four hours. I was so sick after egg retrieval. So weird. It wasn't, and maybe it was started by OHSS. I'm, I'm not sure, but that was a very strange thing. Like to be, I had to be upside down for yeah, a good like three hours. And like, they're like, we have to go. Like the nurses are like, someone is, this is the end of the day. I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. And yeah, that was, just, I just remembered that. I'd forgotten about that part. Um, yeah. So the two week wait, um, I, I, you know, I do, I do, again, I credit, you know, the coaching, I was able to kind of get in that mindset that I wanted to get in. Um, I think the ones leading up to going to the fertility clinic were way harder than this one. Um, I just kind of had built it up, um, to be something that I, I could manage. And that was, out of my hands. Um, you know, I, I'd done the research and knew what I could do and what I couldn't do. Um, and I just kind of let the rest go. Uh, I was kind of in this relaxed state, um, for, for most of it. This sounds very foreign to me. <laughs> like, did you test? Is, you were, you were relaxed. You were prepared you were in a good mindset, like what two week wait is that? This coaching like really helped. <laughs> it, it did. It really did. I mean, it's not like it was perfect. Nothing is perfect. right. Right. Of course. Lips. Um, but for the most part, that's what it was. I mean, I started to feel really sick that I, I really didn't want to test at home, but I called the clinic 
um, I guess maybe round day eight or nine, I was like, I feel like I'm dying a little bit. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't know this feeling because I, I'd never been, I'd never been pregnant before. I didn't know what it felt like. So, and obviously yeah. every pregnancy, I thought I was, I felt a little bit like I was dying. Um, so I called the clinic and they said, okay, take a home pregnancy test. And I did, and it was positive. And it was, yes, the happiest day of my life. Oh my goodness. And always will be. Um, or I shouldn't say that one of them. I, I don't tell my, my husband. <laughs> no, I was, I was elated. Um, oh, I know. I, you know, I have to, I have to admit, I, because I don't talk about this part of my story very often, because I know I'm talking to people who are still in it. I, I, I'm, I'm recognizing how I am holding back a little bit because yeah, it's just not what I usually do. I'm so focused on like four and like the other person. So this is really, I'm just, yeah, I'm just sharing that with you. Cause I'm noticing, I'm like, why aren't I sharing more? So that's the other thing with this is from the very, from the very beginning um, of my journey, like from day one, I've been very open with, you know, anybody who would ask. And I know that's not necessarily common, um, but I think that also helped as well. So like from the very beginning, I, I would tell like my neighbor, I would tell the mail carrier, I would tell my dentist like, oh, we're having fertility issues. Oh, we're about to do IVF. Um, and to this day, obviously, because of my job, I tell people all the time. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I wanted to break the stigma. Um, and I think that kind of helped, you know, reinforce me that this is real, this is happening, this is what I need to do. Yeah. Um, I hit it part of with that. And that's not to say that I think everyone should be sharing with everybody. Of course not. Everyone needs to do what they're comfortable with, but I've just been that kind of person. Um, but again, I wanted to share it. Yeah. I find it hard to talk about the success part, <laughs> you know, when you were still in the trenches. So I just wanted, to, I just wanted to, um, to share that. Yeah, no, I absolutely. And like, I think what you're saying is so important for people to hear as well, because I think as we move on, you tend to forget some of the, the hard details as well. Like I even found for myself, um, having been in the trenches for so long when I was telling like trying to tell my story it's I feel like I was glossing over certain things because you kind of just you get used to it or you move on from it because you know you, ha you have to continue to move on um we can't stay stuck in something that happened however long ago you know it's not good to so you kind of you know you gloss over certain details, but they're really, in, they're important details because they're important parts of your journey. And I think even the piece of just you being so open and honest from the beginning is great. Like it took me seven and a half years to tell my story, um, you know, and, you know, we're still not even, you know, publicly coming out there and saying it to, I still haven't told certain people and things like that. So I think hearing that, for yourself that you were so open and honest from the beginning and that really benefited you is great for someone who's maybe thinking okay someone who maybe is just starting out should i tell people should i not like how should i navigate this world so mm -hmm. i think it's it's great that you mentioned those things for sure yeah and everyone has to do what's what's right for them and so that's yeah. completely understandable you know to pick and choose and you have to do that that's those are healthy boundaries right who you you feel safe with sharing it with and, and who you don't it's, I think that's really important. Um, yeah. And I, I share whatever, what I'm comfortable with and it just happens to be that I don't know why <laughs> I've been comfortable from the start with, with anybody. You know, it's funny because I also never joined 
you know, Facebook groups or was on Instagram for my fertility journey. And in hindsight, I wish I had even thought of that. I didn't even think of that at the time. Um, so, you know, maybe in lieu of it, that's what I, that's because I was creating it, you know, in person, you know, with my hairdresser, I found out who went through IVF, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We all have to choose what's comfortable for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I know. I, we've said that many times that we wish that, you know, we found this community sooner because it's just, right? oh my gosh, it's, it's been wonderful. The number one regret I do hear from people who are, you know, farther on the other side, they say like, yeah, I wish I connected with more people, you know, sooner here again and again and again. So, okay. So you took your test at home. I want to get back to those details because I think that they're super important. So you took your test at home and were you by yourself or was your husband with you? I was by myself. I was in the bathroom and I'm on the floor and I, I had the best, like the, one of the nurses or all the nurses at my fertility clinic were really great um, but one in particular I know she was looking out for me she even told me at one point she's like Laura you're my favorite <laughs> I was like you're not supposed to tell me that but I mean at the time anyway um it was with her and we were just crying yeah on the bathroom floor just so 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 happy like elated and I was in disbelief too like I didn't think it was real in some ways you know it takes a moment it's so surreal that this is happening or this yeah. could be happening right you know still like, still very early you were still guarded, even though you were so happy. You know, I guess on some level, on some level I was, I think I was still trying to be realistic. It's such a balancing act, right? Um, being realistic and optimistic, but oh yeah, I was, I was very happy. You know, it's this holy grail. It's like what you hear of, obviously people going through loss, it's different experience. But for me, I hadn't had that, you know, it was years of negatives. So I didn't, I didn't see it is a possibility until, until it actually happened. It was like, okay, this, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. The elusive line. Yeah. <laughs> the line we all chase after. <laughs> did yeah. you call your husband right away or like to tell him later on? I called him right away. I couldn't Aww. help. Yeah. I wanted him to know. Yeah. I, I called him on the phone. Yeah. And then we celebrated that night. Um, and then you had mentioned that your pregnancy and birth were kind of um, rough. They weren't, uh, it wasn't smooth sailing. What was that like for you? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I wasn't, I was pretty sick for the first trimester. Um, and then we had placenta previa for a couple of months. So, um, for anyone who doesn't know, it's been the placenta for us, it was fully covering, um, my cervix. So, we were planning for a C-section um, unless it corrected itself. And in the end, it did correct itself. And um, but that did mean bleeding. I had, I had, a, I had bleeding. Um, and because you're doing extra monitoring, you know, you're, you're, you can find things that you wouldn't necessarily find normally. And so my, my son was measuring small. So we had a lot of extra checks. Um, but in the end, he, he ended up being a healthy size. So it was just, you know, they, they get it wrong sometimes. And the placenta previa corrected itself. Um, but I did have a, uh, my labor, um, it was really intense, but I would do it again. Um, <laughs> I, I, I kind of enjoy it, to be honest. I know not a lot of people would say that, but there were parts of it that I found kind of beautiful. 
um, having the right people there. Um, but then I had, uh, had to have a vacuum assistance at, at one point. And then I had probably the biggest um, hemorrhage that the doctors had, had seen. So I went into shock and had to have um, surgery right after, right after I delivered and, um, and lost over half of my, my blood. So I had a couple blood transfusions, blood transfusions as well. So yeah, it was a, it was a bumpy end slash start, <laughs> but you know, it's part of my story. It's my, you know, it's still, it's still a success story. Um, I'm still really grateful. Everybody has, almost everybody has some sort of birth trauma and I've gone through mine. Um, it, I do think that infertility did affect my newborn period. I think that's something that a lot of people don't talk a lot about, mm -hmm. um, but the anxiety that comes out in, in the newborn period. And obviously we, we know that you are increased risk if you have gone through infertility or um, loss, if you have, um, have if, you, if you're much more likely to have um, postpartum depression and anxiety if you have gone through infertility or loss. And so, yeah, I found that really challenging. Um, but I had the right supports. Um, we have a lot of really good supports here, even just within the healthcare system here in BC. Um, and then friends and family, I was very well supported. So I feel really lucky that I came out of that, um, you know, stronger than I would have thought I would. Yeah, you know, I survived. Um, and, you know, to be honest, just to talk a bit about, um, you know, going for baby number two, we haven't done that yet. Um, but I know that part of it is wrapped up in the fact that the delivery was challenging and to go through that again. And of course, to go through even just preparing for a frozen embryo transfer, um, that alone and the tests, HSG, like adding that all up um, together with what, who knows would be, would be my second pregnancy, what that could be like, and then delivery, which I'd be very likely to have the same thing happen again. Um, yeah, we haven't, we haven't started that process yet, but we're also not sure if we want to. So that's the thing that doesn't get talked a lot about, which is if you have success and how, you know, how difficult it was to have the first, or maybe it's second, or maybe it's even third, you know, um, I would have thought I we would have a second by now. Um, and I know that, you know, Many people have multiple kids well into their 40s, but I'm almost 40 now and I just don't have the energy um, as well. So to have to go through that added part, um, I'm not sure. We're still, we're still deciding. Um, I'm at peace with it where we are now, but it's definitely something um, that I think about, especially since if it didn't, if it wasn't for infertility, if it wasn't for everything I'd been through, would we have a second? And, you know, it's kind of letting that go as well. Um, at the same time, the decision isn't made, but it's kind of those two paths happening at the same time. Yeah. The other thing to kind of complicate things, I mean, other than the pandemic, which we all know is, is 
part of everybody's story um, is actually right now I have uh, the last five months I've been going through post viral fatigue syndrome, which hasn't been fun. So I'm also not at a healthy place where I could anyway. So for anybody who doesn't know, um, it's kind of like long COVID, although I, I never had COVID. So you can get that kind of reaction to, to any virus. Um, and often you have to rule out everything else before you say, okay, this is probably what it is just because the symptoms can be so different from person to person. Um, it definitely needs to be researched more, I think, but um, it does tend to get better around the six month to one, one year mark, but you just never know. For some people, they, it's, you know, it's permanent, probably not considering I'm young enough, but um, yeah, I've had to deal that, with that for the last five months. Um, and so that's also affected our, our plans as well. Cause like we can't fathom that just kind of little bit survival mode um right now so we couldn't add anything like a like a frozen embryo transfer at this point or pregnancy yeah yeah that's oh my gosh that's crazy that you've had to be dealing with that right now mm -hmm. yes <laughs> yeah it's been a roller coaster and a roller coaster <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I think I think it's important that we talk about um what you were like circle back and talk about what you were saying about the maybe having only one child or um talking about the trauma of having to get to your first one in kind of preparing yourself if fam like you know if couples are deciding to do another jump into a second journey because i think yeah it's not we don't talk about that very often um no. at all at all but it is it's real <laughs> the trauma of infertility leading through infertility into your pregnancy through your birth in the postpartum period um and that's like that's for anything that's to do with having your own child adoption surrogacy the feelings are all the same through each step like the, the parents are going through and moms especially too right like and i think yeah society i even remember myself saying to women in the past of course way before infertility and i was stupid enough to say these kind of comments to women who had one child when are you gonna have another yeah you know and it's like ah i wish i never said those things to people but sure. yeah it's so common that you know you're wanting to ask about second children and things like that but i think one we need to stop asking that question and two we need to promote to women that it's okay to feel that if you're you have one that you're done then that's okay absolutely absolutely and it's so hard to pinpoint you know what is it society's pressure versus what is it that you want you know um so i've definitely sifted through that and i know for me it's not that it's not it's it's not pressure to have another it's what what do i want is this what we want um we, we did say we wanted to but it was never a hundred percent um but I do, I, you know, you hear a lot of women talking about, especially women talking about how they yearn for another. And that's real. You know, I believe that like there, there's this, there's this yearning for another. And there is a part of me that has that. So I can understand there is a part of me um, because that's, that's not over yet. Um, but yeah, I, I do think there is pressure out there to have, more than one absolutely you hear it all the time it's funny because of what i do and because i'm so vocal people don't ask me as much i would say that compared to, to most people um because i just advertise it all the time 
don't ask people when they're having kids yet. Don't ask that question. But yeah. I bet I would get it more because I also hear it all the time, you know, friends being asked that. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely pressure. And I think it's important to, to, to sift through your own feelings to figure out what's, you know, what's right for you. What, what do you actually want? Is that what you want in the context of where you're at? You know, cause yeah, life, life happens, life changes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think choosing one is brave and choosing more is brave. It's whatever is right for you, your family, hands down. Yeah. I have a question. How did it feel when your baby was placed on you? Like we've heard stories from other podcast guests where it was just like a flashback of your whole journey, like in a movie all at you. And then this like reward or this light at the end of the tunnel, like what was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, it was very short because I had to be wheeling. Yeah. that was really hard. That was really hard. I still find that hard to think about actually, um, because I had to separate from him. Um, yeah. And there was just a mistake in the surgery room where I was sitting there for literally hours because they, there was another pregnancy, some delivering triplets, understandably. So they needed to be there, but anyway, I was there for hours and I could have been with him. So, you know, sometimes we're robbed of these things and that's part of my story. Um, yeah, the feeling. Well, okay. So the other part I, I haven't shared yet is that we didn't, we didn't know the sex of the baby. We chose not to know the sex. And I know that's really uncommon. I'm, I'm realizing that more and more on social media and everything about these, you know, gender reveal, reveal parties and things like that. But um, we decided early on that we, they were, we weren't um, going to find out the sex. So my memory of, of, him coming to me was, oh, there's a penis. <laughs> there's a penis coming at me. <laughs> girl, so I was surprised. <laughs> but no, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm joking around, but yeah, it was just, it's, it was a surreal feeling to have, he was here and he's with us and yeah. Um, nothing like you, it's indescri- it was indescribable. Um, it was indescribable. It's just love, you know, it's just, just pouring out of every part of my body. It felt like it was love. Um, yeah, I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful. Um, and I feel, I feel very lucky that we had that, even though that moment was brief, but um, I'm still very grateful because I know not everyone also gets that, that moment either. And was baby with um, your husband, like when you went for your procedure and stuff afterwards, did he stay with him? the whole time? Yes. Yes. Um, and I'm lucky my, my sister's actually an OB family doctor who works at the same hospital. So she was there um, helping out because yeah, baby wasn't happy (laughs) being separated. So she was helping out a little bit there, um, as well, but yeah, I mean, in a way we talk about that too, as in that's precious that he got that alone time with him. You know, that's not common. Obviously we would prefer the three of us, um, me there, but you know, that's precious time that they, that they had. Well, congratulations on your little boy. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. You're very, very lucky. Very, very lucky. Yeah. We definitely recognize that how, how lucky we are all the time. We've said it, you know, and even other people have said, and we've heard it many times that like going through infertility, it's almost as though you, you you savor those moments just a little bit a little bit more, I think, like you're just very grateful for Absolutely. getting to where you are. 
absolutely because you don't yeah you, you don't know yeah you don't know until it happens so yeah it's, it's just I think it's just it's human nature that we take things for granted that things are easy and it, it doesn't even need to be just infertility it's all aspects of life right health financial just everything right that we we take those things for granted sometimes you know I think more than ever we're, we live in a world with so much comfort that we don't like discomfort that it's more foreign to us because we've had so much comfort things are so fast we're in this like instant gratification so you know a lot of choice but there's a, a lot we can get quickly that kind of eases discomfort in a way so when life happens like that I do think that we're less prepared than say our grandparents were and ancestors were. So I think sometimes we have to be a bit more comfortable with the discomfort. And I don't know, for me, that was, that's been part of my journey as well, is being more comfortable with the uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. No, that's how you grow though, right? Exactly. That's how you grow. Like you get out of your comfort zone, you push a little bit more and then you can deal with that discomfort and then you push a little bit more and that's how you, you grow. And then to see your dream become a reality is just a whole other thing. Like you, you, at one point you were dreaming of that baby and then to have it come and become reality, it's just amazing Mm -hmm. to savor those moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. And part of my visualization I used to do was being in the car and looking in the rearview mirror and seeing the car seat. And so now to this day, when I still do that, I'm just like, I'm so lucky. This is, this is, I mean, I'm not saying that just because I did that, it, you know, the baby arrived, but you know, I, I, I think about that often. Like I'm so grateful and this is coming into fruition. This is, this is what I wanted. This is what I worked hard for. And yeah, I, I also agree with the growth. I don't wish this on anyone, but growth is a wonderful byproduct for a lot of us. You know, it, definitely people, there are people who, it doesn't happen, but it's an opportunity for, for growth. Absolutely. In all areas of life, just like you were saying now, like it's, it's true. We can grow in so many different, so many different ways. You know, it's a bit of our perspective shift to see it that way too. And that takes time. Um, not to say that you don't need to go through the grief and what your emotions need to need to go through because it is a hard time. And every, you know, some journeys, journeys are even harder. I mean, I'm, I recognize that mine is easy, relatively speaking to a lot of other journeys, but it's still my journey. And I still, you know, went through the hard times and I I still have to grieve that. Like I still grieve my fertility. I still grieve what we went through before and I grieve what we have now, but there is a perspective shift that has, at least I'm, I'm grateful for that has allowed me to, to grow and, and become more of the person that, I think I wouldn't have been if it wasn't for infertility. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want to talk a little bit more about your perspective shift that led into your, you know, life changing shift in career now? Um, Cause you were talking about that you were going through coaching when you did your first IVF and how has that kind of led you to what you're doing now? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, coaching transformed me. I don't, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what my journey could have been like without it. Like I just can't, like they go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, it was, it's transformational. Everything I learned, all the tools, you know, coaching itself, the relationship that's, that can be built. Um, it helped so much with making decisions. It helped so much with my perspective shift. It helped so much, you know, being more optimistic and being realistic. And then 
you know, as I was going through it, I'm also really, like, even though this is challenging, this isn't as challenging as it is for a lot of other people because they don't have this tool. And also just, just aren't enough supports. Like all along the way, I've been so surprised at how ill-informed the public is. I've been so surprised that there aren't enough supports to help people. I'm surprised at the like financial burden that we have to go through. And I just, I became the coach that I wish not only I had, but everyone around me who I know who, who struggled through infertility had. Um, and I quickly found out, yeah, that this is needed. I think I wish there, there's, there's still a void. Like, I think there's more that needs to be done and I'm still working on like, what could that look like? Um, yeah, I, I, I coach people um, going through any stage of the fertility journey. So I also work with people who are early on trying to decide, you know, do we, do you want kids? When is the right time? And then all aspects of life um, around that. And then any stage, whether it's infertility, you know, loss, you know, success into the pregnancy stage and beyond. Um, because infertility does affect all areas of life. So I use that life coaching approach with fertility. And I have that perspective myself, uh, having gone through infertility, that my clients also do appreciate the fact that like I understand and you know there's definitely the you know let's work at, like with some clients it's about working out the nuts and bolts and making decisions and some of it, it it is about the emotions that come out of it and then also the validation that you're speaking to someone who understands and for some clients I'm the only one in the world other than their partner who knows that they're going through infertility you know so that they have someone they can they can lean on um you know I I think we need more. I think there, there should be more for fertility coaches. I wish it was also more understood. So I think a lot of people don't, anyone can call themselves a coach. Um, and there's lots of wonderful coaches out there when it comes to, you know, certified coach with the, like I'm certified with the International Coaching Federation. It's a different approach or a more specific approach. And so it really, when it comes down to it, it's about working with what you already know. It's working with your own values and getting clarity on who you are and what you need in these moments. Um, and it's hard to describe other than that, but I just know from people who've gone through it and myself having obviously gone through it and being one, I just know the value it's, it's, yeah, I think it's the best thing. <laughs> it's, 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 it's my happy place, <laughs> both giving and receiving. <laughs> you were your own coach. It's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's a skill you develop where you can start coaching yourself. And that's, that's, that's the beauty of, of coaching is that you do learn skills. I do coach in my head to myself. Obviously it's not the same as having a coach and I do continue to have a coach, but um, yeah, that's, that's the beauty of it. Exactly. I think too, it's, there's something to be said for, getting yourself involved with support in this community with people who understand what you've what you're going through or what you've been through so i think what you're doing by giving back to the community and being able to say like i get it it's just it adds that extra layer um to that experience i think for sure for sure yes I, it seems great i mean i obviously still have had i've had clients not in the fertility realm and I still have, sometimes I'll have someone who's not, but it's, it's, it's different. It's like, okay, when I talk to someone who's going through infertility, it's go, no, it's, they get something different from me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And what you, you're both doing to this void, you know, that's being filled 
bringing people together, bringing people's stories out, breaking the stigma. I think that's really, I just think that's so admirable what, what you're doing. Um, yeah. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I think we don't even, I don't, because work's kind of still, you know, new at it, it's only been a few months. I think we don't even realize, um, sometimes we'll get certain comments or messages from people or even just the feelings that we get after we're talking, done talking with a guest and we kind of look at each other like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Like, it's we've so hit- surreal. It's so, yeah. so it, we still yeah. can't really fathom that this is happening. Like they actually listen to us. What? Like <laughs> they actually are finding that our podcast makes them laugh. Like we just, those little things or those huge things it's just it's 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 very very it brings us to a whole other level like yeah uh, well you guys are good at it too <laughs> thank just anyone could put a podcast together I think you guys you, you have this the skills for it as well um, thank yeah. you awesome. well if we can you know offer a platform you know to mm-hmm. do like what you're doing and make a difference within this world to make it easier for someone else then you are. We're, we're, we've done our job. You know what I mean? Like we're good. (laughs) And that, I mean, we, we, I'm sure we hear it all the time, right? Where it is the the worst club, with the best members. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like it's so true that it, the, 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 one of the upsides is that you get to connect with strangers in a way that you never thought you would. Right. And so instantly too. So instantly. Yeah. I get you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's like we're instant friends. Yeah, <laughs> right. We yeah. say that all the time. <laughs> it it has been pretty awesome that we've been connecting with so many people all around the world, and we just have this connection, like this this deep connection. We know your story. We have laughs afterwards, and then we and then we follow even further, even more detailed on like, okay, we got to make sure we message this person because their transfer is this date. Like we just feel like we have friends all around the world. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's like for my first uh, seven years, because it's only been the last little while I've been on social with this. um, It's very isolating, very, very isolating experience. And you feel alone through a lot of it. And like, you're the only one. And some of the thoughts that, you know, I'm sure we can all relate some of the thoughts that you have are very dark and mm-hmm. very, very sad. Mm-hmm. And you think that you're the only one thinking that, and you think that it's wrong. Um, but then when you hear other, like I've read other people's stories or even just us having this conversation, you know, then you realize, Oh, I'm not, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that thinks this way. This is normal. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like this is acceptable for what situation I'm going through. Because like I've said before, you, you put the blinders on and you just, pushing forward and you're not seeing sometimes everything that's swirling around around you and because mm-hmm. you have that goal in mind right we all want the end goal mm-hmm. right like our family is our number one priority and we will do literally anything to our bodies and to our lives to make that happen so it's yeah this is it's awesome and I'm so so thankful for you that you are uh, in this world coaching women through yeah. these these times yeah I mean yeah, I, I love what I do. It's funny because some people are like, oh, that must be so sad. Like, no, like if I can, like if I'm helping even just a little, like you're saying, oh, like it, it's so satisfying too, because of what you're saying also with isolation. Like if I can break that person's isolation and just a little bit, 
Oh my goodness. Right. We all want to do that. We all want to find, we always think about like, where are the people that aren't on social media? Like, where are the others? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's people suffering behind closed doors that we don't know about. Like bring them out. Like, where are you? Like maybe they're right now. It's like, no, I, I feel understood. I feel hurt. Cause yeah, it is one of the most isolating experiences. Like it is, it is one of the, it's one of the most isolating experiences I think you can experience because it's misunderstood. And because you want it so badly and it falls on your shoulders, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If you had something that you wanted to say to someone going through, like what would be your one piece of advice that you need someone to hear going through this? What would be the one piece of advice? So if they're just hearing it right now. Yeah. I mean, I guess the number one, I think we, we just kind of said, which is that you're not alone but the other is ask for help. There is no shame in asking for help. There is so, so much strength in asking for help. And help isn't like a, I'm, I'm in need and you're not. Like the help, help is about, you know, everybody looking out for one another. We used to live in a lot of, you know, some cultures or a lot of cultures still do, but we used to live more in this village mentality where people would be helping each other out more naturally, where we're all isolated in our homes now to a certain degree, right? Where this would be a lot more bearable. Whereas now we need to ask for help. Sometimes we need to reach out. Now, obviously there are mental spaces where people just can't. And that's where I say like, let's find them. Where are you? Like, we want to come to you. But if you, if you can and you, and you need it, reach out for help. Just take that step. Yeah. That might be what you, that you just, you have no idea how, how powerful that could be if you do get that support you need, you know? I think that's pretty darn awesome. But yeah, that's such a good, that's such a good message to everyone is just ask for help. Absolutely. And like, I get, I get help. I got help. Like every, you know, so many people where you think they have their shit together and they look like they've got it up. They are probably getting help too, Mm -hmm. you know? People just don't necessarily talk about it as much and what that help looks like, but we all need each other. We're, we're wired to need that connection. So when you're in this isolating experience, sometimes it, it's getting out of your comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. And, and getting, and getting it. Um, it. Yeah. It's, it's something that I think there's a bit of stigma around um, that we need to break. You know, we need, we need each other, especially in times like this. Yeah. I yeah. agree. agree. <laughs> oh, for sure. 100%. Oh, Laura, thank you so much for joining uh, us today and talking about your story. And once again, congratulations on your little guy. I'm sure he, you know, is your, is your light, of course, hundred percent. We're so grateful that you talked with us today and that the gift that you're giving back to our community through your coaching is just wonderful. Um, So yes, thank you. I'm sure you're truly making a difference in our in our community. Well, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. And you're giving this gift as well. So thank you for what you do. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Remember everyone in any project, including the baby project, you must take things one step at a time. Got a question for us? Or perhaps you would like to share your story and be a guest on our podcast feel free to connect with us by emailing us at thebabyproject underscore at outlook.com or DM us on Instagram at thebabyproject underscore. Thanks for listening.